Guys, my new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, just hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It's ranking extremely high on Kindle and Audible, and I want to thank you guys for grabbing it. If you haven't bought it yet, here's what James Y. said in an Amazon review on March 8th. He said, literally, a step-by-step blueprint for conquering the world and building your own empire. Five stars. It's a verified purchase. He goes on to say, if you like doing things the hard way, don't read this book. For everyone else who appreciates someone showing you what to do and why it works step-by-step so you can rinse and repeat and accomplish the same results, read this book now in all caps. He then says, pro tip, stock up on highlighters while you're adding this to your Amazon cart, you'll be using them. This book should be required reading for every entrepreneur, startup or founder, business person, and human. Seriously, Nathan is not a kind of class that cuts through all the bull crap, he used a different word, to show you what you need to do and how to do it. If success came with an instruction manual, this book would be it. We'll be stocking up and handing these out as Christmas gifts to all my friends and colleagues. If I could give this book a six-star review, I would. From James, James, thank you. All you that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. SaaS founders are loving the book. Go grab an audible version right now at capitalistbook.com. Stackify launched back in 2012, solving his own problem, bootstrapped for the first several years, recently raised 3 million bucks of capital, serving over 900 customers, paying on average 200 bucks a month. So doing about 180 grand per month right now in revenue. That's up 80% year over year in August, 2017. He was doing just about a hundred grand a month through recurring revenue. Economics make a lot of sense. 90% logo retention per year, net negative revenue churn. When they do spend money on acquisition, it's about 200, 300 bucks, a couple hundred bucks. So payback is under two months. Again, team of 40 folks between Kansas City and the Philippines scaling. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matt Watson. He's the founder and CEO of Stackify. He has been a developer and hacker for over 15 years and loves solving hard problems with code. While working in IT management, he realized how much of his time was wasted trying to put out production fires without the right tools. All right, Stackify. Matt, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Tell us about the company. What are you guys doing? How do you make money? Um, basically, we help software developers find why their code sucks. Mm-hmm. And is this like Which Rainforest QA or Sauce Labs <laughs> or automated testing? or No, it's not testing. It's more uh, debugging and troubleshooting applications that are in production. So, you know, maybe a good example will help. So let's say you're on Pizza Hut's website. You're trying to order pizza. Uh, if for whatever reason their website is slow, it gets an error, it's not working, you're going to go to Domino's. You're going to go somewhere else and order pizza, right? Well, Pizza Hut needs to know when that happens. They need to know when their application is slow, and they need to figure out why. They need to know why as fast as possible. Um, so tools like ours, which are APM products, application performance monitoring products, um, are used to, to do those sort of things. Got it. Okay. And and walk me through kind of revenue structure. Are you pure play SaaS company? Yep. We're a SaaS company. Um, we have uh, almost 900 customers all over the world um, that just pay us a monthly subscription for using our tools. Okay. And what do they pay on average per month? 
Um, it's all of the board. I mean, we have a lot of customers that pay us two or three hundred dollars a month, and we have customers that pay us thousands that are bigger. Just to avoid going on every cohort, though. I mean, what would you say the average is? Uh, two or three hundred dollars a month. Okay, two hundred or three hundred. That's great. So, I mean, let's assume a conservative two hundred bucks a month times nine hundred. I mean, that puts you at about what one hundred eighty grand a month right now in revenue. Yeah. Yep. And what does growth look like? Where were you a year ago? Um, we've grown about eighty percent year over year. Okay, so, so what, you we were just, at about a hundred grand a year ago. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. Yeah. Um, what's driven most of the growth? Is it kind of adding new customers or expanding customers you already had? Uh, mostly new customers for sure. So we we definitely do see a lot of expansion. So a lot of our customers are software companies, of course. So when their companies grow, they need more licenses of our software. So that that drives growth that way. But yeah, we sign up a lot of new customers every week. So. So I want to try and capture how you're doing on expansion as best I can. And usually the best question to capture that is what your net revenue or retention looks like annually. I assume it's maybe above 100%. What is it? Um, we have negative churn. So when I've looked at it before, our year-over-year expansion is like 20%. Okay. And what is your gross revenue churn per year? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, how, how ask differently. How, how negative are you, net negative revenue churn? It's about negative. It's about twenty percent. Negative twenty percent. Yeah. Okay. So that would. So how does that work? So if you're because if you're if you're expanding twenty percent on the current on the customer cohort, th- that does, it would be impossible to get to net negative twenty percent churn unless your gross churn was zero. Yeah, I don't know. I may be losing you on the numbers here. That's okay. Do you know? Do you just know what your churn is in general? I mean, that's a fairly. I mean. How many logos are you losing per month or per year, or how much revenue are you using losing per month per year? Yeah, so on actual customer base, we probably retain eighty-five to ninety percent of the customers, and then the ones the ones that stay all grow. Yep. And so the ones that stay uh, spend more money than the ones that we lost. Yep. Yep. Ninety percent logo retention per year. Again, those logos that stay, like you just said, the expansion on those makes up more than the lost revenue, which is why you have net negative revenue churn. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Go. Good stuff. Yeah, okay. all of that is confusing. No, no, that's okay. It's it's one of those key things. Let me ask you, as kind of the as kind of the technical co-founder, how do you use numbers like this? I imagine when a guy like me asks you these questions, you go like, "Fuck off! I don't need to know all these numbers." Like, who handles that at the company? Um, I mean, a lot of those numbers aren't numbers that we really think about at all, unless it's time to talk to some investors. Um, on a day-to-day basis, they're not really KPIs that we think about, honestly. How do you, so when someone signs up for Stackify on day one, what do you have to get them to do to make sure they stay sticky and they don't cancel? Install our software, actually use it. Um, what does that mean though? That. What does actually use mean? Um, well, for us, they have to install our software on their servers. So we want them to get it installed and then to have one of those kind of aha moments, you know, learn something about their, the performance of their software they didn't know, solve a problem they didn't know, you know, something like that, that, that gets them to that aha moment as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and what is that tip? I mean, what is that? So I imagine you have a lot of people who download this, the thing, they install it, and then they, you log on the back and you go, oh my gosh, they haven't logged on in like, a, you know, a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like yep. those people are high candidates for churn. That's why churn is usually important is because it's a way to track if people are going to keep paying you based off activation metrics. Right, sure. So, yep. so, so how do you re-engage those people that install the software then never actually get value from it because they, they never actually use it? Yeah, usually those they're just trials that don't convert. So, 
you know, we, we're doing hundreds and hundreds of trials a month and, you know, uh, 10% of them or, or less will, will decide to pay. Uh, the ones that do decide to pay usually stick around. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that sign up for trial that just never do anything. Yep. Let me ask you another question about kind of unit economics here. Uh, customer acquisition costs. What, what is it all in? Um, honestly don't know what the number is off the top of my head. It's a few hundred dollars, but we don't, we don't do really paid advertising. So it's not a number that we really focus on. Um, talk to me about your team. What's your team size? Uh, we have about 20 people in our office in the Kansas city. And then we have about 20 more in the Philippines, Kansas. And okay. So, so 40 total. Yep. Okay. And break those folks down for me. How many of them are sales and marketing? Um, it's about five people in sales and marketing. Okay. So how do you, let me ask you a question. Someone that you hire for sales, how do you measure if they're performing or not performing? Just based on the number of, uh, potential, you know, leads and customers that they handle and how they're, how they're doing with them. So our, our whole model is inbound. We get about 800,000 people a month on our website um, from our content marketing and stuff that we do. And that drives a lot of our trials and interest in our, our products. So keep, keep going down the funnel for me. That's valuable. 800,000 views. How many new trials per month? About? Uh, it's been seven, 800 a month. Okay. And then about how many new customers per month? About 10% of those? Um, it, it ranges from 40 to 50 usually. Okay. Okay. So that's pretty healthy. So, so going back, if you have a salesperson, right, that, that you're those 800 new trials that you're getting per month, let's say they do 200 demos. Like, do you track how many of the demos they convert? Like, how do you know if they're a good salesperson or not? Yeah, we track all of those things. I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head because I'm not in charge of sales, but uh, <laughs> we we definitely track those things. Ignore what the actual number is, but that's why I was trying to figure out like customer acquisition costs, obviously on a fully diluted basis would count that person's salary. And you know, based off what you pay them, they've got to bring an X amount of new revenue to make it, you know, a profit center for you. So I was trying to figure out if you, it sounds like you maybe don't run that part of the business, but those numbers are things you're what VP of sales is looking at. Yeah, I mean, we since we don't do paid advertising, we just kind of get the number of leads that we get, and our our it's really the efficiency of how many of those we close. Um, we just now are starting to do more outbound and hired our first like a uh, sales development representative, and so that'll all be much more trackable on that and the number of like net new leads they create and how much we pay them versus how many leads they created and stuff like that. the The rest of our team traditionally has just been more sort of order takers, right? It's like, these are all the people that started a trial. We're just trying to get them to, to buy. What do Um, they do though? I mean, do they get on a call with them? Is there any sales skill required or no, it's all no touch? Yeah, no, it is. We, I mean, we do demos and stuff like that, but for us, a lot of it is more customer service. It's people who signed up for our product and they just have a question. They're like, how do I, how do I use .NET with Docker on AWS and whatever? Um, It's, it's fairly straightforward customer service sort of stuff. Yep. All right. And put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? Uh, six years ago in 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, what, kind of where was your head at that point? What 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 made you jump into it? Well, I was really just trying to solve um, my own problems um, from being the CTO of a, of a previous company. And there just really wasn't the tools out there that existed to do what I wanted to do. So just had the crazy idea to actually to build it. Bootstrapped or have you raised capital? Um, I funded all of it myself until recently. We raised our first um, outside capital about a year ago. How much total? Um, I'd rather not say. 
Okay. I mean, usually that's public because you have to file with the SEC. I can usually look it up with a quick search. Um, I mean, the the outside capital we we did was three million dollars. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. Yeah. So, so before that, and and you said that was about a year ago in 2017. Yeah. So, so bef- you know, previous to that, you funded it all yourself. I mean, help me understand. Did you just save up a bunch before you quit your corporate job, and that's how you're able to fund it, or? Uh, I had a company before I was the founder of that that we sold. I see. Um, I see. And so I was able to use proceeds from that to get this off the ground. Got it. No, it makes good sense that you know you funding it yourself over four or five years explains why you've got a half a half drank bottle of uh, pocket tequila behind or Fireball behind you on the yeah. shelf, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> those I are do. those are for the those are for either the good days or the, the really good days or the really bad days, right? Both. Well, we do actually. We do shots at fire of shots of fireball at work uh, about once a week when we have a good sales day. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, interesting. That's, you know, some people here. some people would say they do that when it's a bad day. You say no, it's a good day. We take fireball yeah. only in Kansas, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like yesterday we had five new accounts, so it's like all right, shots of fireball today. That's great. Five new accounts at two hundred bucks a month. So that's a grand in new monthly recurring revenue, right? Well, I mean, like I said, it's all over the board. We have customers that pay us a lot more than that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you run, so you don't run on accounts that are maybe, oh, actually, let me ask you, your largest account in terms of ACV, I mean, are you breaching six figures yet or no? Yes, yes. You do, yep. you do have some customers that pay you more than a hundred grand per year. Yeah, we do. So on those accounts, it's, it's all inbound. You don't have an outbound salesperson going after those leads. No, it's all inbound. So we, and about 70% of our business is international. They all find us the same way. Like, you know, like we have somebody like Honeywell as a client, but we don't call on the CIO of Honeywell to try and sell them our software. They find us the same way anybody else does. They go to Google and search for different things and they run across our product. So, so let me ask you, I mean, you bootstrapped the thing from 2012 to 2017 to about a hundred grand a month in revenue, right? Or about 1.2 million per year. And then you decided to go ahead and raise capital. Why'd you give in? Why'd you need to raise capital? Um, my original goal was just to fund it through like the seed stage and then bring in some outside capital to help grow it. So, so where, just, where are you spending? Like, how do you have confidence that 3 million are going to be able to spend it to grow the company? Where, where are you spending it? Uh, in product development, sales and marketing. I mean, we're in Kansas City here and we don't do enterprise sales. So I don't need to go hire a room full of enterprise salespeople at 200 grand a year like our competitors do. Um, that Who are some kinda, of your competitors? Just name one or two. Um, New Relic, AppDynamics, uh, companies like that. So they're all focused on the large enterprise accounts um, kind of exclusively. And most of our customers are SMB they're more mid-market companies. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Um, walk me through, there's a bit of a discrepancy between what my, what my team found in terms of funding versus what you just told me. So they they said they looked up and they said there was a $5 million round in, on January 1st, 2015. What was that? Um, I mean, I don't think any of that information that's out there is accurate. So, but it's like taken said, directly it's from an, it's taken, it's taken directly from that is generated directly from an sec filing. Did you do some weird like debt stuff early yeah. on to help? No. Cool. No. And by no, the way, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to no. be nosy, by the way, but I do want to, if you came up with some creative strategy to raise capital in a non-dilutive way, I want, I want my listeners to know that so they can copy you. No, no. I funded all of it until a year ago. Okay. And we did a $3 million round then. So that's all just misreporting. It's all been your, you have not raised $12 million. You've only raised $3 million. It was your own and it was just a year ago you did that. Yeah. Okay, great. Very cool. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, you know, I don't read a lot of books, but there's one called a uh, rocket fuel. I don't remember what it, 
who the the author was that I really liked. Yeah, I think I don't know if it was the Basecamp guys, but yeah, Rocket Fuel. I've heard of that one. It's a good one. Uh, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? You know, not really. Um, I mean, it's interesting to always follow Elon Musk, and I'm sure people always give you that answer, but um, his ups and downs right now are very interesting. Number three, uh, what is your favorite online tool for building a business? Um, for building a business? Um, I don't know if I have an answer for that, honestly. Like what tool do you use every day? Uh, Jira, Slack, uh, Divi, um, <laughs> Google Docs. Yep. <laughs> a lot of different tools, yeah. Good. And what's your, uh, actually, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Oh, probably seven to nine. It's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids? Married with three little boys. Three. Wow. Full house. And how old are you? Uh, I'm 37. 37. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Huh. Um, that computer programming is and writing code is not the most viable thing I can do. Then not, not the most what? It's not the most viable thing I can do. You know, that's so interesting because every time I have a business guy or gal on here, you know what they say? I wish I learned how to code earlier. And almost every developer I've on says, man, I wish I knew sales faster. <laughs> yeah. You know, the most valuable part of it is the product, uh, product vision, product management side of it. Writing the code is easy. That's like assembly work, like manufacturing work, right? Almost. It's the knowing what to write and how it's supposed to work. That's yeah. the hard part. Yeah, no, that's right. Very good, guys. There you have it. Matt Watson, Stackify launched back in 2012, solving his own problem, bootstrapped for the first several years, recently raised 3 million bucks of capital, serving over 900 customers, paying on average 200 bucks a month. So doing about 180 grand per month right now in revenue. That's up 80% year over year in August, 2017. He was doing just about 100 grand a month through recurring revenue. Economics make a lot of sense. 90% logo retention per year, net negative revenue churn. When they do spend money on acquisition, it's about 200, 300 bucks, a couple hundred bucks. So payback is under two months. Again, team of 40 folks between Kansas City and the Philippines scaling. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.